I just started to say, that's loud enough that we can go home now. <laughs> you can be seated. Thank you for being here. Let me get this place cleaned up here. Too many things clutter my mind and I have a problem. And for those of you that, that don't hunt, uh, I don't do that anymore. So uh, you can feel better about that. First of all, I want to thank uh, my good friend. In fact, probably, no doubt, one of the best friends that I have, Pastor Herring, for the invitation to come and, and be with you. Um, I've not been here too many times. I do remember preaching one time before, and then I came when the uh, building was built, and it was the first service, I believe, inside the building. And there were quite a few of us here. And uh, Brother Churchill, Brother Stuart Churchill, got up and... That's, that's, that's right, that's right, yeah. Well, anyhow, at that time, um, Brother Churchill got up, and he was referring to this beautiful, beautiful building. And isn't, what a beautiful church. What a beautiful, beautiful church. And he looked around at this building, and he declared, look what the Lord has done. Amen. And I was up after him, I guess, or shortly thereafter him. And I looked at all these people sitting in front of me. And I don't know the details, but I can see past lives and messes and all kinds of stuff. And I look at these people sitting here, and I say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Thank God for good-looking churches. Thank God for beautiful buildings and beautiful facilities. Thank God for it. But it's really all about people. It's about the changing of a life. It's about a, a renewing of life. It's about a new life. Oh, my goodness. I look at some of you here. I don't know the details of your life, but I'm sure that some of you came from the same place that I came from. Just a mess and confusion and not a future. But thank God, look what God has done. Amen, amen, amen. I really don't know where I want to start. I know where I want to end up, but I don't know where I want to start today. Uh, amen. I, I visit a fair number of churches. I, I talk to many, many, many pastors on a weekly schedule. Uh, usually dealing with uh, maybe some difficult times or, or things like that. And I won't go so far as to say there's good and there's bad churches. I don't think any church is a bad church. But I've learned to appreciate good churches with good leadership and good examples. And I couldn't help just in the last few minutes just kind of a judging this church and this people. And I want to say, Pastor Herring, you have a mature church. This didn't come in a minute, and it's going to take a whole lot more than a minute for it to fall away. It's established. Good leadership. Good leadership. A pastor being what he's supposed to be, doing what he's supposed to do. You may not agree with him all the time. You don't have to agree with him. But if you'll open your heart when he and this pulpit is open to you, you will hear from the word of the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. 
Please be seated. Back in the 1950s and 60s, um, my dad would take our family on family vacations. We lived in southern Illinois, and we would go to uh, Florida about once every year and go fishing down there. And, and uh, once in a while, we even took Route 66, going from St. Louis all the way to southern California, Route 66. I don't know if it's famous or infamous, but a lot of people remember that or have heard about that anyhow. Back in those days, we didn't have uh, computers. We didn't have uh, Siri or whoever it is. When you say, take me home, and it will guide you all the way there, you know. I was playing with my family one time, and we were in the car just having fun with one another, you know. And so I asked uh, the, the, the telephone to tell me something, you know, and it gave me some directions and so forth. And just being, I don't know if it was cute or being stupid, I just start. I'm playing, you know, and I and I start saying, "What an idiot! I can't believe you're telling me like this." And so help me, a voice came back and said. I'm just trying to help you. All of us in the car start looking around to see who's with us, you know, kind of thing. But anyhow, uh, the, the road maps, you, at any gas station, they would give them away. And uh, they would, that was your only resource for getting point A to point B kind of thing. And I, not a lot of you would remember that kind of thing. All right, some of you do. Um, all right. But anyhow, uh, that, that was the only way. And those road maps were vital. You couldn't get to your destination if you did not have a road map. My title today is The Road Map for Life. The Road Map for Life. I want to start by laying a foundation. I believe that the Bible that we have is the infallible Word of God. Yes. I believe the words of the Bible are just as powerful as if you're walking outside and the clouds part and you see something that is God and you hear His voice speaking to you and giving you direction. I believe the Word of God is just as powerful if that would happen to you. And I want to tell you beforehand, I've applied it to my life. It is my life, and it has led me through a lot of problems. It's helped me to overcome a lot of things. It has been the roadmap of my life that's helping me get where I want to go. Second Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture, whoever penned the words, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen. I personally believe the Scripture because my life's experiences confirms the trueness of the Scripture. The Bible tells us that God hears and answers prayer. I found that to be true. I have prayed prayers that he has answered. Now, before I go any further, I want to say that we've all prayed prayers that we have not seen the answer yet. And sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, because he has another plan. When we're talking about the children of God, if God says no to you and you are living for him with all your heart, he's just keeping you on right track. He's keeping you going in the right direction, okay? All right. I don't mean to be pastor, but I will be, okay? 
<laughs> I've had some experiences in my life that have helped me, that have confirmed the truth of God's Word. You know, when God's Word says this, you don't really know that until it's proven and tried in your life. Two of my children had spinal meningitis in growing up. My daughter had uh, uh, viral meningitis, which means that you go to the hospital and you're out of it for eight or ten days, but you recover from that. My youngest son had bacterial meningitis. He was in the hospital for ten days, but the prognosis from day one was not good. They did not know. They could not give us hope that he would live through it. And they said, if he does live through it, most always there is serious brain damage. I can remember standing over that baby's bed. He was five or six years old at the time. Standing, four or five years old, I'm standing over his bed and watching his body arch up in a convulsion. And I can remember God praying, God, touch this baby. God, you've got to touch this baby. You're our only hope, God. I'm praying, Lord, right now I'm reaching out to you to touch this baby. And I'm telling you, God, raise that baby up. God, raise that baby up. He's alive to this day. As far as brain damage, he's the smartest one in the family. When he was six years old, we're riding in the truck. We didn't really have a disagreement, but we saw something in two different ways. And I'm saying he's sitting over here, a little boy six years old, and I'm sitting here, and he's telling me something, and I'm trying to explain it to him, say, no, Michael, it's not that way. And finally, Michael looks at me, and this pretty much describes our relationship. He said, Dad, you don't understand. Let me explain it to you. He's still the same way today. I remember as a little boy in an apostolic Pentecostal church, one of the ladies, Sister Sue Cavins, had uh, a growth on her face. It looked like a big black scab. But uh, she, she testified or she, she asked for prayer. She said she'd come from the doctor, and the doctor said it was cancerous and that the cancer had gone into her bone structure. And that there was no hope for that. They could treat it and hope that maybe it would help or extend her life a little bit. But they said, really, there's no hope. But as a little boy, I watched the pastor call Sister Sue Cavins to the platform or to before the pulpit and call the church in around her. And I'm the little boy with my mother in church. I'm sitting on the front row because my mother came up and I just sat on the front row. A crowd of people. Oh, 12 or 15 people around them, not very many like that. And the pastor prayed, and everybody prayed. And I remember as a little boy, somehow the crowd just kind of parted where I could see. I saw Sister Cavins begin to dance in the spirit in a round inner circle. And I saw, I saw a little boy's eyes. I saw that black scab fall off of her face. I saw it. I'm telling you why I believe the promises in the Word of God. A few years ago, camp meeting, A.J. walking around the campground with a cane, white cane. You could look in his eyes and you could tell that he was completely blind. I later learned that he had gone in a bad drug deal and had been executed, been shot right between the eyes. He later, after he received his sight, he, took, he walked up to me. He picked something up off of my, my tie, a piece of lint that he could have never seen before. He took, he took my finger, and he put it in that hole in his forehead right there, and you could feel the hole. 
But anyhow, I remember the night that the altar service was just going, and all of a sudden there's a man down there in the middle of it, and he's screaming, I can see, I can see, I can see, I can see, I can see. Oh, I'm telling you, I've never seen so many camera flash bulbs going off at one time for that man right there. A year later, and there were some people that even questioned it, but a year later I went by the church in uh, Wasilla, and there's A.J., who was blind for, for 10 years, I believe it was. He's out there, and he's looking like this on the ground, and I see him reach down and pick something up. And I said, thank you, Lord, for the miracle. Thank you, Lord, for the miracle. Do you have a slide that you can put up on the screen for me here? This lady's name is Shannon Kilbear. She and her family lived across the street from the church in Fairbanks, the one that I pastor now. We lived in a mobile home in that property, and my daughter was four years old at the time, and Shannon was four years old at the time. Shannon commonly come across the street and played with Jennifer in our yard. Um, uh, we were working at the church one day, and I heard the skidding of tires on wet pavement, the and immediately I turned and looked, and I saw this pickup truck hit Shannon. Shannon was on her bicycle. She came out uh, from, from a, a row of, of, of hedge, and the truck, there's no way he could have seen her. She just shot out right in front of him. The truck hit her, and she flew 20-some-odd feet through the air and landed on the highway in a heap right there. Uh, I, I yelled at Brother Thibodeau when I was running out to Shannon, and I said, call an ambulance. And I got out there, and I noticed that Shannon had a, an open cut on her forehead. It wasn't very big, but the thing that I noticed was is that it was not bleeding, a sign that the heart is not beating. I tried to find a pulse beat. I couldn't find a pulse beat in her neck, in her wrist, anywhere. I put my face down next to hers to see if she was breathing at all. She was not breathing. There was fluid clear fluid with a tinge of blood coming out each ear, which is a sign of severe brain damage. Later, I saw the truck, and where she would, had gone out uh, in front of the truck uh, on her bicycle, the bicycle wadded up underneath the truck. Her shoulder hit into the grill, and on the hood, it had a, uh, at, the, at the edge of the hood, it was tilted like this, there was a dent that her face hit into. And when I was seeing Shannon on the ground there, her face looked like cottage cheese. It was just all broken up like that. I had some medical training, some uh, emergency training when I was in the military, and I, know, I knew that you don't move people when they're like that because you can do more damage than, than help to them. But Shannon was gone, and I picked that little girl up in my arms, and I started praying for her. I didn't, I just kept praying, Jesus, help this baby. Jesus, help this baby. And when I opened my eyes, the whole neighborhood was around us. The whole neighborhood was around us. And what caught my attention was, now I'm holding this baby, and I'm, I'm into this. And I look at them, and not one of them is looking at this little girl. They're all looking at me. And I had the presence of mind to think, they feel, they think I'm beside myself with grief. They think that I am totally out of it because of the way that I look 
right now. I looked over, and Shannon's mom and dad jumped off of their porch and was running to us. And I, Shannon's mother was next to me, and I, I, I said, I tried to give her the baby, Shannon. And the mother said, no, pray, 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 pray. And I just kept praying. I don't know how much time elapsed. An ambulance was evidently on its way. But I remember at a certain point when that lifeless little body threw her arms out, threw her legs out. Now she's in my arms. She threw her arms and legs out, and she went, <clears throat> and she started crying. Then I heard the ambulance, the sign, they were there, and they, they, they had to literally tie her down on this, they had to keep her from laying there. They put her in the lamps. They took her to the hospital. I went in the house. I uh, cleaned up a little bit. I'd been working outside. I headed on over to the hospital. She's in the emergency room. They're taking x-rays of her body. And I take mom and dad into the cafeteria, and I'm trying to talk with them. And the only thing, they're in their own world. I'm just trying to comfort them and help them. And mama kept saying over and over again, Jesus has given me back my baby. Jesus has given me back my baby. I'm telling you why I believe the Word of God. In the last 50 years of my life, every one of my family has experienced an answer to prayer in the form of a miracle. No, God doesn't heal every time I pray and every time I ask. But I'm telling you, if God answers once, if His promise is proven to be true, then I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to base my life on it. The Bible tells us, if you will repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Bible because when I was baptized, He set me free. He took away the guilt out of my life. All the bad things I'd ever done that I felt badly about, and I've done some things I could still be in jail today for, but He set me free from the guilt of that. And He filled me with the miracle of the baptism of the Holy Ghost as evidence of speaking in another tongue as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. I'm trying to tell you why I believe the promises in the Word of God. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says you should receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. For our visitors tonight, sorry for doing that so fast. I'll try to slow down. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I believe the promises in the Word of God because that's what happened to me. I was involved in a lot of stuff. I had a lot of habits. I had a lot of things in my life. I came up from an altar, and I didn't want to do those things anymore. I didn't know if I'd be able to. But when I'm walking in, in life, and things come against me, I learned that I did indeed get power after that the Holy Ghost came upon me. Oh, hallelujah! I can tell you and tell everybody that I preach to, if the devil tells you you can't live it, I want to tell you he's a liar because you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you can live it because he'll be there with you. Did you hear the words of the song? He's behind me, he's before me, but he's also right beside me.
Now, let's get, let's preach a little bit, okay? The Bible is a roadmap for your life. I wanted to establish before I got to this point that you can put your faith in the words of God. You can put your faith in the Bible. When the devil says you can't and the Bible says you can, you can do it. My favorite scripture is Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. Nothing without me. But through him, we can do all things. All things. All things. All things. I preached to our men yesterday morning at a men's breakfast. I talked about habits and addictions. I said, the Bible says with some things, men, this is impossible. For man, some things are impossible. But what we have as the children of God is with God, all things are possible. Not some of them. All things are possible. Psalm 119 was one of David's psalms. I would remind you that Psalm 119 is not Psalm 1 or 2 or 3. I'm sure your pastor preaches much on David. And you know that David was not a perfect person. He had a lot of problems in his early life. Oh, he started out good, but he made some failures. He did some things that he regretted. He did some things that cost him the rest of his life. But this is Psalm 119. David has matured from that. David has come through a lot of things, and he makes some deductions in Psalm 119. In verse 97, David said, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 98, Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies. He's learned this. Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Verse 100, I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oh, <laughs> young men and young ladies talk to me and say, how do you hear the word of God? How, how do you know God's will in your life? And I said, well, evidently it's designed so that we have to seek him for it all along the way. But I said, if you just stay committed to God and you commit your, just live for Him with all of your life, with all of your being, you don't have to worry about knowing what God's will is. He'll keep you in His will. He'll keep you in it. Don't get frustrated because you don't know where God, what God's going to do in your life. Just close your eyes and keep your hand in His. I'm telling you, if he can do something with this boy that was born in a cornfield, he can do something with you. I'm telling you, he can. In America and in many places in the world, of course there are places where you don't have this, but we have the freedom to go where we want to go. We can get in our vehicle, we can drive, we can do this, we anywhere you want to go, you know, pretty much. Now we even have phones that said, take me home, take you home, you know, kind of thing. Directions all the way, kind of thing. Uh, but there are restrictions in us. Slow down. Yield. Wait for someone else. Yield. <laughs> Stop. Now, if someone decides that they're not going to go by the way it is, they become dangerous. And... Uh, can lose their own life, a lot of stuff. You know, sometimes people look at the church, and the first thing they see 
is a yield sign, speed limit sign, something that restricts you, holds you back. Well, thank God for the stop sign. Can you imagine what life would be like without signs restricting us as we drive? If there were no signs, you and I wouldn't be here. We'd be dead. Somebody would run over us. There are those that don't want to allow God's word to infringe on their freedom. Listen, it's God's word that will guide you and get you to where you want to go. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, by letting God's word direct my life, it has kept me from going places that I shouldn't go that will end up dead. Because I submit myself to the teaching, the restrictions, because I submit myself to the restrictions in the Word of God, I remind myself that God is not putting those in there just so we can worship Him and think He's so wonderful. He's putting that in there for our benefit. That's why the Bible says, follow peace and holiness with all men, without which no man shall see the Lord. Because I love holiness, because I apply it to my life, I, I, I'm safe. I'm happy. God keeps me. God helps me where I want to go. And he's getting me to my destination. Some people cry and complain because they can't do this and can't do that. Listen, if God's word says don't go there, you're going to be a whole lot better off if you don't go there. You know, shortcuts aren't always the best thing for you. One year, my wife and I and my, my kids, we were on a family vacation. We drove from Fairbanks, Alaska uh, to uh, St. Louis, Missouri, or thereabouts, uh, to visit our families and so forth. And when we came back to, to Fairbanks, of course, we were driving back. We got into the state of Montana, and we were back in the days of the maps, paper maps, you know. And uh, the map, when we got into Montana, said that we needed to stay on the interstate and go over to a certain place, I forget what it was, and then it would take us back up north like that. Well, I'm always looking for the shortest way. And so I thought, why would you go like that and like that if you can just go like that? And if I went this way, it would be about 180 or 190 miles to get me from here to here to here up here like that. And I thought, if I could just go straight up like that, you know, it's, it, I save 100 miles, you know. All right, so I, I, I do that, and my wife is flustered because I don't go over the rules, you know. And so this little road that we're on pretty soon turns to gravel. I, uh, we should have been on the interstate, but it turns to gravel. And so uh, I'm looking, you know, and I mean, there's nothing but hills and whatever. And then out there, there's this little building. It, it's kind of like a general store, you know, with the front porch and the rocking chairs and all that stuff. I thought, we're country, you know. So I think, well, I, I need to pull off because I, I don't, I'm afraid of getting further in this where I can't get out and I don't know where I am. So I pulled into the store and I, uh, I, I opened the door and in the middle of the floor there was a, a, a wood stove. And um, there were several elderly men elderly, maybe in their 50s or 60s, you know, (laughs) 
elderly men. <laughs> elderly, and they were kind of sitting in a half circle around this stove, you know. And they were just doing, you know, kind of like a McDonald's coffee for older people, but there was no McDonald's there. So that's what they were doing, talking, you know. So I'll never forget the look on their face when this guy, I opened the door, I stepped in, and I just stopped because they're all just looking at me. I guess they've never seen anything like me, just looking at me. All right. So I look at them for a minute, and I said, uh, where am I? <laughs> One of those men, he looked at somebody like that, he looked like that. He looked back at me, and he said, you right here. Well, we did get it worked out, and I finally got through. But in the long run, it took a whole lot longer to take that shortcut than it did to take the right way. Life is that way in living for God. There are always shortcuts that are offered, opportunities for you to save a little time, get a little more of what you want, do a little bit of that, do a little bit of that. But I'm telling you, when it comes to the Word of God, you will benefit by staying on the highway. Yes, it'll cost you. Yes, there are seemingly other ways that are easier. But the way that God describes for us and directs us is absolutely the best way. Sometimes it's the only way, and if you get off of that track, you've got a problem. Verses 107 to 110 and 119, the same David, same line of thought. We started with verse 97. 107. I'll take a phrase out of each one of these verses. He said, I am afflicted very much. Now remember, he was excited about following God's word. And then he says, I'm afflicted very much. He said, my soul is continually in danger. He said, the wicked have laid a snare for me. And David says, my enemies seek to destroy me. But because I follow the precepts of the Lord, I am wiser than my enemies. I don't, I don't want to put a bad slant in your mind here, but I'm telling you, everybody don't like preachers, okay? There have actually been people that wanted to destroy my ministry. Some of them were honestly mentally ill. Some of them weren't. They just didn't like me, and they wanted to destroy my ministry. And I just put it in God's hands. I just trusted him with my life. I thought, God, you've brought me here. You've called me. You've put me here. I guess when you're done with me, you'll do something else with me or whatever, Lord. But I know I'm in your will right now. And I'm asking you, God, to take care of my problems. I went home one day because these parties, two or three families, they were really saying that I'd done and been part of bad stuff, really bad stuff, that was not true at all. And my wife told me one day, she said, you need to defend yourself. I said, no, I don't. She said, yes, you do. You need to tell them. And I said, no. I, love no. This kind of Come on. I said, uh, I don't know if I said it or not, but I felt it in my mind. I said, God... You have always fought my battles for me. Since I gave my life to you, you have taken care of my problems. You have not always answered the way I wanted you to, but you've taken care of my problems. You've taken care of me. And I know that I have a calling from you in my life to be right here where I am, God. 
And I want to tell you that God took care of every bit of that, and I never had to say a word. I want to tell you, in Him, there's more security than you'll find in any bank. In Him, there's more security than you'll find in any doctor. In Him, there's more security. You say, well, I don't know how to find Him. Just follow the road map. Just follow the road map. And let me say here today, we've got some visitors here, and I don't know if you know the Lord or not, but I'm telling you, if you're not satisfied with your life and you want something different, you're looking for something different, you found it when you come to this place. Verse 112, he somewhat concludes with this. David says, I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always. And this is the part I like, even to the end. I'm not going to try it, Lord, and see if it works. I'm committed to this because of what I have learned in all of those 118 psalms of life coming before this. And I have learned that you are my security. You are my everything. You lead me with a light in my pathway. You guide me. And Lord, I'm committed to you no matter what. The most difficult place you'll ever find in your relationship is halfway in the church, halfway in the world. Halfway in the church, halfway in the world. I've heard some say, well, I'm going I'm to take this slow. Well, I'll tell you what's worked for me. When I stepped out of a church in a pew, in an altar, when I was an adult, 23 years of age, I came out. I, there's a lot to that story. Some people repent at an altar. I repented on my way to the altar, and I said, God, if you'll help me, I will live for you every day for the rest of my life. And because of that kind of repentance, I've not wrestled with some of the temptations that I see people struggling with, and I see people overcome. No, my mind is already made up. My mind is already made up. A pastor called me one time and he said, I'd like for you to come and, and pastor our church. I was already pastoring in Fairbanks. He said, I'd like for you to come and, and pastor this church. I feel like God's done with me and I can leave and I, I can't do any more here. So how, would you come and pastor this church? I said, no. He said, but your family's here and the people know you and they would want you. You would be the perfect pastor for this church. I said, no. He said, well, then would you pray about it? I said, no, I don't need to pray about it. I know God's will for my life. I'm where I'm supposed to be. There's no need in clouding the issues. Can I just, something extra in? Quit wrestling with doing right or wrong. Just do right. Just do right. <laughs> and I'll come to close sometime indeed every one of us in this building is on a journey every one of us is on a journey we are on a journey whether you're in the church or out of the church you're in a journey through life and what you do in this life is going to determine what you do in eternity 
tell sometime I'll tell you about the uh, story of how I got this through security at the airport. <laughs> this this rope, uh, it it no 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 leave it leave it. No 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 I'm gonna crack that. I don't want them to see that. <laughs> this, this 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 rope is a picture of your life. Okay. The red part of it is your life here on earth. You were born here, and when you're 76 and a half here, or whenever that is, it's going to end here. But you're going to go on. Eternity is a long time. Okay? I did this up in Cayenne, Alaska, and there was a lady that was sitting there and she was so solemn like that, almost like she was scared. And I left after that. She went to the pastor and she said, uh, I don't want to be lost. That's a long time to be lost. Eternity's that way. What you do now will determine where you go for eternity. And you know what? Eternity doesn't have an end. But it just keeps going. And it keeps going. There's no clocks in heaven or hell. There's no calendars in heaven or hell. There is no time in heaven or hell. It just is. Just is. You that are in the church, committed your life to God, I think that every time we have an opportunity, we need to rededicate to make sure that we don't get off track. I've been in this for 50 years. Do you think that I'm going to allow the devil to tempt me with something that I could throw all of that away, lose it? Huh? I know where I'm going. I've made up my mind. For those of you that are not in the church, you have an opportunity today to decide where you're going to spend eternity. Do you want to be lost? No, you do not want to be lost. God's Word says if your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're going to be lost. You can start the process today when the opportunity is given in just a minute or two to come to this altar, turn away from the old life, and turn your life toward God. I like the altar. I know you could do the same thing sitting and standing where you are right now. I know you could, but there's something special about stepping away from who you were and what you were, coming into a new life, a physical picture of what's happening spiritually in your life. And every step that you take toward God, God will take two steps toward you. Would you stand with me today? Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for what I feel here today. I thank you, Lord, for the maturity, the spiritual maturity that I feel in this church. And I thank you for every saint of God that's here. I'm asking, Lord, that you'll implant this in their heart and in their mind. Brand into their heart, God, that which you've done for them. And help them, Lord, to be totally committed to you. Renew their commitment even today and every day of their lives, God. Lord, there are visitors here today. I'm asking, God, that you will speak to them with your presence. 
Speak to them, Lord God. Let them feel something from this service. And I'm asking God that you'll give them the strength and the courage to make a commitment to you, God, that you'll come into their life, that you'll help them, Lord, to go in the right direction. Give them the power and the strength, Lord, to follow the direction of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I'm going to have everyone to come in just a second. But if you're here today and you're a sinner, you don't want to be a sinner. You don't want to be lost. I would challenge you. Be bold. Be strong. Be a man. Be a woman. Step out of where you're stepping right now and say, I don't care who sees me. I don't care what they think of me. But I'm not going to be lost. Would you step out of where you're standing right now? Come on, I know you feel the Lord. I know he's talking to you. I'm going to ask, let's make it easy. Let's make it easy. I'm going to ask every one of you that will, everyone that will, to come and gather around this altar. You can stand to save room. Come around this altar. And if God puts someone on your mind that's in this service that doesn't know the Lord, I want you to pray for them. If you don't know of anyone, pray for yourself. Rededicate your life. Give your heart back to God. Let God have his way.